0: welcome to amp books number four everybody and today is a real treat because i'm going to read from you from my very favorite play in the world well hamilton is pretty good too but the original favorite play is Cyrano de Bergiac and i haven't seen a great production of this on broadway or anything i've seen it in a couple small houses but i've read it maybe 10 12 times and it's just as powerful every time and may prove to be just as powerful this time particularly the end scene so to give you a little context Cyrano is the hero of heroes he's the one that I grew up idolizing in many ways for a lot of reasons one he was a philosopher he was a poet he was a dualist he said once earlier in the play he says when I was confused about what to do with my life I decided to just be admirable at everything and that was like my code that was like my ethos I didn't know what the hell I was going to do so i just decided well fuck it i'll just be as good as i can possibly be at everything i can think of and i'll be a little bit like cyrano but he always had that ability that quick retort that wit that willingness to stand up for himself no matter what which was something i admired because as a kid maybe feeling a little less than powerful or a little less than quick with my wit all the time and having older brothers and everything you know you have to take a lot and you take a lot of criticism and a lot of ridicule and sometimes you get beat up and i kind of wished i was like Sirena who never stood for any of that and was that kind of great hero that i'd always wanted to be so that was one of the reasons why i looked up to him but as i've grown older there's different reasons there's different aspects of the noble hero that i identify with so i'm really excited to read you the last chapter of this book of this hero in his final scene and um, give you a taste of this legendary character that was um, brought forth from the mind but nonetheless represents an archetype that i think so many of us can identify with as always before we dive into that want to give a shout out to the sponsors that make this all possible and this morning we're going to be talking about something that i do now every morning so those of you who read own the day own your life the morning mineral cocktail was the smash breakout success of that whole book i think it might be because it's the first thing i wrote about and maybe nobody read the whole book and they just read that part but maybe because it's really effective Now i was talking about sea salt and lemon and water the first thing you do when you wake up well the new addition to that which didn't exist when i wrote the book is the mineral electrolytes that has sodium bicarbonate which is great at improving alkalinity which helps your body retain minerals it has calcium magnesium potassium it has the rest of the electrolytes in there as well so you get a more comprehensive electrolyte balance and i mix it with the sea salt and i mix it with the lemon so it's like the upgraded version of the morning mineral cocktail so for anybody who's a fan of the book and the morning mineral cocktail definitely check out the mineral electrolytes i also use it anytime that i'm working out and it's just a phenomenal product it's really one of the best so, thanks to Onnit for that. Go to onnit.com/slash/Aubrey save ten percent and check out the mineral electrolytes. And then, without further ado, Cyrano de Bergerac, Act Five. <clears throat> now, my epitaph: philosopher, physician, poet, fighter, and musician. Famous for the travels through the air. A fancy duelist, no less. A lover, too. To his distress. Who broke his heart, pretending not to care. Here lies Hercule Savignon de Cyrano de Bergiac. Who, thinking he was everything, was nothing. Ah, alas, alack. But pardon me, I find I cannot stay. The moon, you see, has come to take me home. I would not have you grieve one hour less for that fine soul, the good and valiant Christian. I only ask that when my flesh is cold, you'll give a double meaning to the veil and mourn for me a little mourning him. Hoxanne, I promise. Cyrano, no not here not in a chair no one shall hold me up only the tree he stands to his feet he comes i am already shod with stone and gloved with lead since he is on the way i'll meet him standing here with sword in hand libre cyrano roxanne almost fainting cyrano All of them shrink back, terrified. He sees me. Yes, he dares. To mock me for my nose. The noseless one. He lifts up his sword. What do you say it's useless? That I know. But who fights with assurance of success? A man fights better when he's doomed to lose. Who are you there? How many? thousands? (laughs) I know you now, my enemies of old. Falsehood, take that. And you there, compromise, prejudice, treachery. What? Come to terms? Never. No, never. Here is cowardice and folly too. I know that. In the end, you'll get me down. But be that as it may, I'll fight and fight and still go fighting on. You've robbed me of the laurel and the rose. Glory and love. Take them. Take everything. But there is one thing you shall not have. One thing I take with me. And when tonight I enter God's great house. I shall bend low and bowing, sweep the thresholds heavenly blue with something which in spite of you, I wear. And that thing is Roxanne. That is my stainless bloom. I talk often of the Lakota phrase, hokahe and it's often translated as let's go today is a good day to die and that means that you've lived your life in such a way that you have no regrets you have nothing left that would hold you back from entering whatever moment that might be your last with open heart and with that sense of pride and cyrano certainly didn't live a perfect life but he maintained that thing which was most valuable to him which was his honor always telling the truth always abiding by love where his fatal flaw was was he believed that because of the size of his nose that no one would love him and that Roxanne who was actually deeply in love with him he didn't believe that she would love him he believed that she could only love Christian the beautiful one so he would write letters on Christian's behalf and give speeches on Christian's behalf and all the while Roxanne was in love with Cyrano but he did this and even when Christian died he didn't speak a word of it because his honor and his sense of of his pride, his panache, as they would say in French, was so strong and his commitment to being that warrior poet was so strong that he wouldn't even in Christian's death rob him of Roxanne's idea of who this man was, who she was grieving for. So to Cyrano, even though perhaps when this mythical character would have crossed over, it would have gone and looked back and been like, wow, actually she loved me for me no matter what despite my nose and despite everything that i thought made me unlovable but on the other side he would have known that he lived a life so rare i think it's knowing that the ideal of living a life without compromise even with its flaws you know as i said cyrano had seriously fatal flaw in his understanding of what made one worthy of love but to live that life without compromise that's an ideal that's something that we can hold up as a guide star and imagine what that life would be like to have no need for rationalizations and justifications and excuses to just do what we know we should do every time, regardless of the consequence. If Cyrano had to fight a hundred men, he would say, a hundred is all you have, give me a thousand. It didn't matter. The principle of what he was doing was so much more important than the harm that might befall him or whatever criticism might come of him you know if he had his last coins his last money that he could give in a gesture for the honor of his work which is the opening scene of the play he would just do it and drink water and eat a grape or two that he could find he would he didn't care about these things and look at us look at us all scraping and stressing and trying to hoard all our money and Figure all of these ways that we can protect ourselves, protect ourselves instead of living for these blistering principles that are so much more important and fighting these enemies like falsehood and ignorance and greed. It's an ideal, you know, and we're all still human. We're not fictional characters like Cyrano. You know, I remember I had my own Cyrano moment during a cycle of ayahuasca. It was my very last session. And, uh, I was actually getting very sick, and I didn't realize I was getting sick at the time, but I had no energy. It was the fourth of a cycle of four, and I really wasn't going to drink the medicine, um, but the work was unresolved. I wasn't really reaching the place that I wanted to reach, and um, I was going to tell Don Howard that I wasn't going to drink the ayahuasca that night because I didn't feel well. And Don Howard looks at me and could pretty much tell what I was about to say. And he just looked me in the eye and he says, the warrior's heart beats his one heart. And he smiled at me. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. Because if all my friends and all the people I love were going to be drinking that night, I was going to drink too. So perhaps that was one small Cyrano moment right there and i drank the cup and i sat back and what i call the beautiful hell descended upon me and with my fatigue and with my sickness it was so crushing that all i could do was curl up in the fetal position on my mat and i didn't know if i could keep going on and uh I didn't know if I had any fight left in me to to make it through. It was a place beyond surrender. I mean, you want to surrender in these ayahuasca ceremonies. It was, that's just part of the practice. Uh, this was beyond that. It was giving up. It was just completely giving up. And uh, as I was there, with a the different type of tears falling down my eyes and the ones that are falling down now, Those pitiful tears of one who is lost, failed, and given up. Uh, My grandma's voice came. And she'd passed maybe three or four years earlier. And I heard her voice as clear as if she was standing right there in the room. And she said, get up, Aubrey, get up. I said, Grandma, I can't, I've got nothing, I've got nothing. She says, get up, Aubrey, you gotta get up. And again, I was like, Grandma, you don't understand. I can't do anything, I can't get up. I said, Aubrey, get up, you've gotta fight. You've gotta fight and you gotta keep fighting and so I pulled myself up off the mat and I s- sat up and then just like this scene which may have been implanted in my mind for many years of reading I looked out the window of the Maloka, and it's very dark so I couldn't see anything except for with my vision and I could see this gathering of energies outside in the shape of figures and it was the same thing ignorance greed fear falsehood delusion lust for power all of these enemies were outside the maloka walls and i recognized then that i couldn't stop like i couldn't stop fighting that's what i came here for i came here to my last breath, to do my best, to dispel these shadows for as many people as possible for myself too. So I said, okay, grandma, I'll fight. No matter what, to the end, I will. And uh, I started calling around the room and there was a lot of my friends and brothers and sisters there in the room and I would go to them one at a time and I'd ask, are you with me? I remember asking Dr. Dan, actually, he was there. And this is all in my own vision, I'm not actually asking with my mouth. And I said, are you with me, brother? And he says, yes, to the end. And then one by one, all the allies in the room looked me in the eye again in vision and said, yes, to the end. And I don't know if I've always followed that. I don't know if I've always done my best to fight the fight that I know that I'm here to fight. And I think that's why the tears flow when I read something so pure, an archetype like this, or I tell the story of that moment, is because I know that's what I aspire to. And I know that's the archetype that I'm called towards. But I forget I forget sometimes. I forget a lot of times, but I remember too, and that's what keeps me going and reading things like this and watching the heroic movies, you know, whether it's Leonidas at the gates of the Thermopylae or whether it's you know it can really be any great inspiring movie where someone is willing to sacrifice themselves interstellar is another great example like someone willing to sacrifice for the greater cause and willing to fight no matter what you know it calls that part out of me and hopefully it calls that part out of all of you as well breaks us free of that myopic gaze into our own navel for our own selfish reasons and says okay hey like I fight and if I die, it'll be out of my shield. like who cares? And that way to live is is the way that is the way that I want to live. I think it's the way that all of us want to live. It's the call to service, but the call to service at all costs at any costs. So that's where I think the importance of these aspirational texts and aspirational movies, lie is that it can reach us in a way where it reminds us who we are and reminds us what we're here for so I hope you guys connected with Cyrano de Bergerac as much as obviously I have I hope that my own emotions weren't too distracting during this process as well and just know that you know if you're here and you're on the path and. If you're not, I'm here with you no matter what to the end. To the end. Para bien de todos, for the good of all. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Ant Books. I'll see you guys next week.